तात्र आमिस्त्रो बीन हजार I'm drawing a line in the fucking sand here. Do not read the Latin. Hi, my name's Jennifer Lovely. Welcome to Don't Read the Latin. And my guest for today will be... Kate Rolls. Kate, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thanks. <laughs> so, Kate, uh, my pronouns are she. Um, and what are, what are your pro- pronouns? I identify with she and her, she, her also. All right, awesome. So, have you seen e- anything recently... Um, I'm like obsessed with the movie Ready or Not. Ooh. Um, I saw it in theaters with my best friend who like doesn't like horror movies, but then I mm-hmm. made my husband rewatch it because it came on Netflix, maybe a streaming service. Yeah. And I was like, we need to watch it because I want like I saw it and I was like, I want to have a wedding dress like that. I want to like wear Converse. And that's not what ended up happening. But <laughs> it's a great movie for showing people that are um i want to make sure that isn't me i keep hearing a ding and i can't tell if it's my computer it is me oh right i silenced my phone um uh ready or not is such a great film for people that might not be horror fans like i've even uh showed it to my 11 year old yeah no it's like a lot of fun and then it's but it's got the horror thing going but it's like we watched that, and then we watched the Hulu movie Bad Hair, I think it's called. I want to watch that, and I haven't yet. It's what like, did you think of it? I I loved it, because there are, like, no white people in it, which is yeah. my jam. Um, yeah, and it's unusual to see that. Yeah, and it's, well, it's becoming... In horror, yeah. In horror especially, but, like, it's becoming more regular, or more common? More common, yeah. It's yeah. becoming more normalized, which is amazing. Um, and yeah. it's like very 80s. And <laughs> it's about like these. And then like they show a woman getting a weave, which is, as a white person, I've never understood or seen. Mm-hmm. And and they like in the horror version, they like are sewing it into her scalp and not just into the braids. And it's like I like looked up how it's done professionally. And I was like, oh, my God, like they it seems like it was really true to. Well, Yes. And Wait. and the thing is, is like they have a lot of people because it's such an expensive industry as I'm like covering my mouth while I'm talking. It's <laughs> such an expensive industry. And and the pressure I think that that women of color have to like always have their hair done. Um, there's actually a documentary. I, I Along with loving horror, I also love documentaries. And there's I, I can't remember if it's called I think it's called Good Hair. Oh, um, that I think was done by Chris Rock, if I'm not mistaken, about like the hair industry and like the just it's like a billion dollar industry. Oh, yeah. And then and then, and then you watch videos where like people are doing it for their friends and stuff. And you see like things going horribly wrong where like braids are done far too tight or. Ooh. Yeah, they can get like <laughs> just, you can get like stress out 
alopecia, I think it's called. Mm -hmm. I was reading about it just from having a ponytail too tight, you can do that. And it's like with the precision that braids are done on such coily hair. Mm -hmm. Like I have to do my braids pretty tight because my hair is normally curlier than this. But like, I can't imagine. Yeah. Like I'm so tender scalped. I'm like, don't. Like I laugh, I laugh because um, every once in a while they'll be like, "You're this old," and they show like the really old brushes that they used to have. Like if your mom snapped this off in your hair, because I had a non curly haired mom, and you can see like I am just. Um, my mom would break the brush off in my hair because she would just brush it like this and it'd like snap off. Oh no! And because oh, I had like just I had like you know <laughs> had really big. And I had like total like Rosanna, Rosanna, Dana triangle hair as a kid because my mom would just brush it out. And I thought that's what you did. So it's like instead of having curls, I just kind of had frizz, a a pyramid of frizz on top of my head. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But have Um, you seen any new horror movies lately? I'm always looking. I have. Um, I was I kept seeing um, the oh my gosh, Jordan, I can't remember her last name, who, she's been talking a lot about Jennifer's body on Twitter all of the time. And she kept mentioning that The Hunt had this great female character in it. And and the thing is, is when it came out, it like, it was going to get a release and then it got dropped onto VOD because there was like a shooting somewhere. And so they were like, oh, we're not going to do a theatrical release of it. And The Hunt is that, um, it's that movie where liberals have this crazy manner that uh, they kidnap rednecks and right-wingers, and then they hunt them. And there is this actress named Betty Gilpin, Mm -hmm. who plays this character, Crystal, and she is the biggest fucking badass I've ever seen in my entire life. And it is, you know, it plays with all of the stereotypes between the ultra-liberal and the ultra-right. And it's just, like, a ton of fun. And it's like... You know, watching the trailer for it, I was kind of like, oh, and then you watch it and it's just a blast. So I watched that. It was just, it was really, really a good time. Oh, good. I'm getting kind of warm as I'm talking. Um, Have you heard about, (laughs) have you heard about His House that just came out on Netflix? No. Oh, His House, it is the story of a Sudanese couple that escapes and um, ends up in like, London and um, it has it has um, uh, <laughs> sorry my cats are meowing behind me um, and uh, Matt Smith plays like their caseworker who puts them in this house and then there's like stuff in the walls and it's like the ghosts of their past there's like something haunting the house and it involves like Sudanese folklore and oh cool and the story like goes like you kind of think you know where things are going and there's a twist in there and it's so good and the couple is so amazing and you just like you're drawn into their whole story of trying to leave Sudan you're it's it's so much about their relationship and their grief as they were coming over and this is you know it's it's done in the trailer and sorry running around and I'm like Oh, yeah. No, I get it. <laughs> um, uh, in the trailer, they mentioned that in the crossing, they lost their daughter. Oh. Yeah. And so it's, I mean, it's, I love, I love little enclosed movies. 
And I love movies like that that bring the horror in the house. Oh, and yeah. And it's all about the characters. <laughs> it's just, it's really, really good. And it's on Netflix. So if you have Netflix, it's right there. Oh, yeah. No, I'm, everything you mentioned, I'm like, I gotta watch that. I gotta watch that. <laughs> um, I think I'm just going to really briefly mention the other stuff. Um, I don't know, like, if you're the right age for when, like, The Craft came out. Oh, yeah. Originally. So the thing is, I was like, I was like 26. Uh no, wait, how old was I? Because the original craft was, I think I was 22. But anyway, I was, you know, I was an adult. And, but, you know, and I was, I was already a goth at that point. So, I, you know, I was excited to see a movie where it had goths in it. Um, but I am, <laughs> the, the, the goth overlords are looking down on me. Um, I don't really like the original craft. And I saw the new craft Le- legacy. I loved it so much i loved it so much all of the girls are so perfect and it's a it it is done as a sequel to the original craft oh and yeah i haven't seen it yet and i'm like it's on my to-do list but yeah and it's like if you spend any time around tweens or teens they're those kids like it was like spending time with with my kids friends yeah of like how they just chatter at each other so i i thought it was just fantastic i've seen people who want it to be the original craft right and it's not um but personally i think it's better <laughs> well and i think for a movie like that that everybody who loves it loves it like you yeah. you definitely want to make the sequel separate and it's stand yeah. on it's like a standalone yeah and they do kind of set it up um where you do kind of feel like there's the possibility for more, but who knows if it'll it'll get the chance to. Mm, who knows? Yeah. Uh, uh, the another one that I saw is I love I love a horror western, and there's oh. a movie that just came out this year called The Pale Door. Oh. Um. It has a the only name that I know off the top of my head is it has Pat Healy in it from like The Innkeepers. Oh, nice. Um, and it's a, a western where they have these um outlaws who who rob trains and they rob this train and they get this chest that's got this chain around it and when they open it up it's got a bound girl inside oh my god and uh basically she says you know if you take me home you'll get a reward and it's westerns and witches (laughs) oh my god it is just it's it's a lot of fun it's it's a little over the top and uh a lot of fun but i love it's just westerns and in horror i just like there's a couple of like really really good ones out there um and and it's a lot of but that one's a lot of fun so that sounds amazing that's it's a good time that's a genre combination i don't think i've really dived into yet yeah (laughs) i'm trying to think if there's anything else i'm only gonna touch on it for a minute i I was kind of sad because i was really excited about ben wheatley's rebecca oh my god how was that Oh, no. I know. I was so excited. And the thing is, it is beautifully done. It's it's gorgeous. And they do... They do a decent job. You can tell that they really respect the source material. I like... I love the book, and I love the original... The, the movie that I'm familiar with. Um, but it just seems a little empty. Oh. And... Yeah. And... <laughs> 
Army. I don't know if I just am. I'm, if I'm biased against Army Hammer, <laughs> but he just doesn't seem interesting enough to really, right, p- pull off. And I've heard complaints about the woman, but I mean, the thing is with Rebecca, like in the original movie and even in the book, is she's kind of quiet and mousy, and that's why she seems so different than Rebecca. Um, and so I didn't have any issue with like her portrayal. Um, but like, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't even know if I'd want to revisit it. Like I would just want to rewatch the original. Right. You know, I just want to watch Hitchcock's. I mean, so what, sometimes I'm like, why even redo a Hitchcock? Yeah. Like he did it. (laughs) It was more than likely perfect. Just leave it. Yeah. I will say, and I'm completely spacing on Danders, the, the actress who played Danders. And it's a very famous older older actress she does a fantastic job with it Mm -hmm. but there's choices that they make with the character that um differ from both the the book and the in the hitchcock's version oh wow and you're like oh but her portrayal as danvers is like spot on (laughs) it's just it's really really good so it's probably the best probably the best in the entire movie she kind of steals the spotlight a little bit yeah so before we get into your formative film, like, were you always a horror fan? Um, I, I mean, sort of as much as one can be interested in media. Like, I think when I was probably eight is when I saw my first, like, I saw Nightmare on Elm Street. My siblings <laughs> who are older than me were watching the whole series in our living mm-hmm. room. And I, like, sat down and watched it. And ever since that moment, it's been, like, I've been... I go into like a deep dive of like rape and revenge films. And like, I had a phase with like torture porn and I've seen like a really wide gambit, but my, no one else in my family likes it. So it's like, it really imprinted on me and everybody else is like, how can you watch those scary things? Yeah. Do you have anybody that you watch it with now or is it still kind of solitary? Um, There was, I had a friend. We're no longer friends, unfortunately, but he and I Mm. would watch like all the whole gambit of stuff together. Um, And my husband can watch some of it, but he's not, he's not as avid about it as I am. So it's, yeah, it's harder. And with COVID it's like, we're both home all the time. So I'm like, there's not like, I don't have like a horror den because we live in a two bedroom apartment, but, um, but he, he'll watch it with me when I'm like, I really need to watch, this new horror, when I needed to watch Bad Hair on Hulu, I was like, I just need you to watch this with me. And he enjoyed himself, <laughs> but it's not his first choice. Yeah. It's it's really funny because it's it's a very different thing to be a solitary horror watcher. And then to find, if you find like a, a bud who will watch it with you or like a group of friends. Like I didn't realize like what a big deal it was to like share the experience because I was never a theater goer. Right. When I was, when I was really young. So like all of my original horror was um, like those rando middle of the night TV, you know, experiences or like renting VHS. And so it was very, very solitary. And then um, like a, Gosh, like five years ago, I found a group of friends where every Friday night we would get together and watch horror. Oh, that's so nice. And, and I, that's, I think it's part of what drove me to create the podcast because it's like I went on this, like I always wanted, wanted to find those little um, 
lesser known horror movies uh, for like us to watch every week. Yeah. And then like once you start doing that, <laughs> you just you just keep digging all the time because you want to find all the great ones. So well, on that note, then, what is your formative horror film? Um, I think, I mean, there could have been many, but my formative in that like it became my favorite and it was like mm-hmm. my first true obsession is the Japanese film Battle Royale. Oh, it's so good. I actually just showed it to my husband for the first time like two weeks ago because I was like, well, to prepare for this podcast, I need to rewatch it. Yeah. And he was like, oh, yeah, I've never seen it. And I was like, I like threw everything around. And I was like, we're watching this. And then he fell asleep. And I was like, this is not, this is unacceptable. No. Um, but it, it was just like my first real step into like that kids could be involved because, you know, like in the, in the it's a book and a movie and i read the book Mm -hmm. but in the movie it's like they're ninth graders i think it's like unclear exactly what grade but it's like eighth or ninth grade they're all taken to this island and they kill each other and like it had never occurred to me that as because how old was i when i first saw it i was working at a video store and i like found it on a shelf and i was Mm -hmm. and i couldn't stop after that and then I think oh video stores even just saying that video stores oh I know I mi- I miss it because it was like you yeah. got to watch a movie while you worked and all free rentals all the time um, I know but <laughs> it like blew my adolescent brain that the the like the adults meant to take care of you could gather a group of you up and send you to send you with like a pot lid and a bottle of water and be like good luck. Um, and it, it was like a good example of, uh, eventually my love of horror became like the horror world feels safe because the rest of the world feels so scary. And I think yeah, I found battle Royale, like right before I started to understand how scary the real world is. Yeah. So it was like this formative moment where I was like, it's all so scary. Yeah. And it translates. Yeah. Into that. I think one of the things that I found and I can't even remember the friend I had that pointed me in this direction because I, I was talking about because um, Japan had that stretch of horror from like the mid 90s up until, you know, the first couple of years of the 2000s where you had like the ring and you had you had like this huge wave of Japanese horror films. And a lot of it, um, a friend of mine that was very like much more knowledgeable than I was about Japanese culture, said a lot of what drove that was Japanese, uh, the Japanese cultures not understanding their youth and being very frightened of them. Oh, interesting. And um, because in, and then I did a little bit more research um, when you, when you mentioned Battle Royale, because it made me like dig into everything. Uh, the, uh, the director actually had taken part and and been a part of a lot of um, student protests in the 60s in Japan. And there was a a really um, aggressive uh, reaction against the students for just speaking out. And there had been these waves of like huge student protest that he was a part of and that he remembered really well. and what was really neat was when that book came out. And if I'm if I'm telling you anything, you already know. Oh no, this is fascinating. I had no idea. When when the book came out, it was just like it was both renowned and reviled because um like because of the violence of it. 
they they it was like nominated for this award except um like everybody who reviewed it said this is the best thing we've we've read i mean this deserves the award but i think they didn't award it because they didn't want to elevate it and um how much of uh the attacks against like the idea of putting all of those students out there was really because it's like you look a lot of times there's comparisons of like the hunger games right where that is used and I think that there's a sense in this too, um, with Battle Royale, is that um, this was more used as a weapon and a tool to frighten the populace right. and say, "Look what we will do to you." Yeah. So yeah, like what the horror of what they did to these kids is like, and you kind of see it with like the the reactions of the teachers and the one main teacher, yeah, who is. Um. He's like an amazing actor. Uh, yeah. What is it? Takeshi Miike? It's his name, I think. Or is that the? That sounds right to me. I, I'll look it up. He, but while you're talking, I know he's involved. But um, in the, it's interesting because like the movie is very violent. It's very graphic and it's very visceral. But then if you read the book, there's so much violence they left out, and there's like rapes that they left out. There's all sorts of like in the process of informing the families that their children had been chosen, there's murder there. There's rape there. There's like, like the way that the, the community responds to their children being chosen for this program is like, it, they could have made it like a six hour movie just yeah. for all of that. Uh, his, his name was Takashi Kitano. Oh, okay. So uh, the director was uh, Kinji Fukasaka. Oh, my God. They're both incredible. Fukusaku. Yeah. Um, the thing that I thought, they don't really touch on it so much in the movie, other than mentioning the two boys that joined the class, is while a class would get nominated, any child from that ninth grade class, any child that was in any school could just volunteer to be a part of it. And it was encouraged because it allowed them to weed out um, kids that were activists or had like aggressive tendencies oh yeah so like like the one kid who was there just because he really wanted an excuse to kill people it's just terrifying it's terrifying and like especially in america right now you see how that exists in people like there are people and many of these people have untreated mental illness and i'm sure that kid Mm -hmm. probably did too but it's like the way that our society is functioning now, if you introduced a program like that, there are certainly people who would be like, cool, I'm in. Yeah. Like, yeah. great. Freedom. <laughs> right? And I'm like, oh, no, no, thank you. But it's so, it's it's a little interesting to rewatch while we're in the political climate we're in, because there's certainly like a sense yeah. of. Uh, dis- like not exactly dystopia but there's a sense of like I don't is, know is the world ending <laughs> are we gonna send a bunch of liberals to an island and see yeah there's there's a certain flavor of we, we definitely have the dystopia flavor packet added to what's going on right now yeah it's it's not ideal um, no I don't think we children- we have hope we have, we have hope. hope, but I don't, and I don't think children are getting sent to an island, but like. I don't either, but. But it doesn't feel out of the realm of like things that could happen. Yeah. Unfortunately. Like, <laughs> the one thing that really, and 
You know, it's so funny when you watch something like 20 years after the fact. And the idea that it's been tw- 20 years. Right. 20 years since this came out um, is is literally like the finesse in which this story is told. Because there are so many characters where they are literally, they're only on screen for maybe 45 seconds. And how do they make us fall in love with, with like a, a, a little couple in love who 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 sacrifice themselves because they're not willing to kill their classmates, you know? And you spend like five seconds with them, I know. or even just like the interaction in the group in the classroom where you see like, as kids want to do, they like glide into their little groups. Right. Oh, the flashbacks are amazing. Oh my God, the flashbacks make me cry every time. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's incredibly done, both in and the book the, and the And the finesse movie. with a lot of the girls' stories. Oh, yeah. Is, is just amazing. So They address so much in such yeah. a succinct amount of time. I know. It's just... Yeah, it's it's just amazingly impressive. It's, you know, a little bit of it is the writing. I'm wiggling around and making noises that my husband will be annoyed when he edits. Um, <laughs> but no, the finesse with all of the stories. And then just like there's these punching moments of that are just so the, the one that really, really strikes me is the one where and I'm, I feel like just because uh, I'm forgetting his name. The male, the male, kind of the male lead. Right. Um, where he gets injured and he gets taken in. Oh, yeah. It, Shuya gets taken in by the girls. Yeah, in the lighthouse. <sighs> that whole scene where, oh, my goodness. Okay, well, I usually state this right before we... So I'm pretty careful at the beginning of um, when we're talking about the things that we've seen recently not to do too many spoilers right um but when we get to the point where we're talking about the formative film and the um the modern favorite um all spoilers are (laughs) it's it's all spoilers all the time because i think in order to have a conversation about why something's really important you just have to talk about like the key parts of the film right but that scene of just like of like collapsing dominoes, like one thing setting another thing off of like girls dying and them turning on each other is both harrowing and like amazing to watch. Oh yeah. <laughs> and it's so such an extreme version of how girls are at that age. Oh my goodness. Where yes. like <laughs> one's even vaguely suspicious and just like goes straight for the the throat for the next yeah. one. And then at the end of it, everyone's crying, and you're like, as an what ad- even ha- as an adult, you're like, how did this happen? But when you're in it and you're 13, yeah. and you're like, everything's the end of the world, and you watch them feel that way, and you're like, I've been yeah. there, I know. Yeah, yeah. They're uh, young girls are a, a vicious. They're a vicious, bloodthirsty lot. Oh my god! I mean, I was too, <laughs> but it just I can't imagine now with all of social media. Yeah. It's horrifying. Yeah. I think that was the one thing that um, I think really, like, I felt, because I had my my kiddo really late. Like, I was, like, 35 when Tecla was born. And um, I was like, you know, I'm pretty confident, you know, that I can handle, like, because I'm, I'm a grown-up. But, like, the idea, because I had grown up without internet, basically. Right. And so the idea of, like, I'm like, how do you, how do you manage 
parenting when there's like so much more. Oh, yeah. So I find that I find that and then to this day, I find it really terrifying. <laughs> I, I'm not a parent at this point, And I, I don't know how anyone does it. No. By floundering. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then I also find myself incredibly thankful that uh, the internet did not exist um, in my early 20s, because nobody wants that document. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. No one needs mine. Thoroughly funny. Yeah. <laughs> that thoroughly documented no. yeah so was there any last pieces that you wanted to bring up about battle royale and why it was important to you um i think the use of classical music in the film really got me because it's like all of this gore happens and then it just transitions into like these beautiful orchestra pieces and you're like the stark contrast where it like shifts to the man in charge and this like the, there's a helicopter and he's doing stretches in the morning and talking about mm-hmm. all these kids, like just listing off kids who died. And you're like, oh, it's like, sp- it just really adds a nice effect to it, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I'm just sitting and thinking there's just like so many shots of and it's funny because it's like they even note in the film, like how important when. um, Oh, my goodness. uh, When. Uh, Noriko is like having the conversation with the teacher where they're going through for that walk along the water. And I love like you get the dream version of it and then it revisits it right at the end of the film. Oh, yeah. And yeah, it's just awesome. And his obsession with her is pretty funny, but it well, not funny. Yeah. Well, I think I think it's part of what makes the whole movie so wonderful is how layered and sad yeah that teacher is like i mean he's just he's miserable his his own child his own daughter hates him and wants nothing to do with him so he's totally idolized this young girl as like this perfect and then the painting the painting (laughs) how do we not talk about the painting (laughs) that's like the that's the apex of the film just she's like so happy and everybody else is dead. It 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 <laughs> I I kind of loved it because I love it. There's there's something so terrifying about folk art like that. Mm-hmm. Um it's part of what made Midsummer so beautiful. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's like those little folk art pieces. But yeah, the the happy beatific uh Noriko in the middle of the of that painting. <laughs> Of the like little cartoon kids getting decapitated and she's just so she's like shining. You know, the one thing that I am <laughs> that I am gonna mention from the beginning of the movie the training video. Oh my god, I love oh that girl. God. The woman is like so, so peppy. Lucky. She's like, Boo! <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> Because I remember, I remember going to conventions around that time, and you always, you always found found one person that was uh, that was cosplaying that girl, and it just made me so happy. Oh yeah, that <laughs> that's a really good cosplay. <laughs> so, Kate, what is your current, your modern horror that reminded you why you love the genre? Um, it like actually pretty easily is the Autopsy of Jane Doe. Um. <gasps> disclaimer i used to be a mortician um 
<laughs> I, what? I should have led with that, but th- that's why this movie got me like so deeply. I I've never done an autopsy. Like I just handled bodies and prepared them for funerals, but mm-hmm. it was like the just everything about that movie it's so real. Like the guy who's so dedicated to his work that he can't leave and then the son who like doesn't really want to take over the family business but is going to anyway. And that's like how I've seen the funeral industry work is like there's the guy mm-hmm. who owns the funeral home and then they have a son or a daughter who like grew up there. So, of course, they're going to take it over. And then, yeah, like it's all spooky. And, and- it's very much a family business because if you're running memorial services, if you're, you know, you're such because, OK, so I, my only experience of that is I grew up in a small town of 800 people. Oh, wow. And so you had one mortuary service in town that handled everything. And you'd have that one family. Like, they were the mortuary family. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's, um. I mean, my family is not at all the mortuary family. Yeah. But I, like, I was an apprentice for a family who had owned this mortuary for years. And it was, it's very much a, like, a tight-knit community. Generally, family or friends are involved. It's a beautiful film, and Brian Cox is amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. Um, And he... Because <laughs> it's like, it's such an interesting father-son relationship with him. And is it... Oh God, what was the name of the actor? Um, Emil, uh, Emil Hirsch, yeah. I think, played his son. And I will say that, like, their... <sighs> Their relationship seemed so natural and so honest. Yeah. That, like, I mean, it really drove. And I, I, you know, I love, I love small, I love small movies like that where all the horror is just, like, focused inward. And it's just, like, Um, three people in the whole film. Yeah. And bless that woman for laying naked on that slab for the entire movie. But... Someone unmoving, like, I have never felt so imperiled because because as you're, like, as you're being fed stuff through the story and, like, finding out more and more and as they're, like, revealing more through doing the autopsy, like, you're just, like, in the, and, and, and it's <laughs> that goddamn happy song. <laughs> oh, my God. Her haunting <laughs> and, and song. The, I know. Oh. It's just, it was such a good, such a good film. Did you feel it was pretty respectful to, like, the idea of Mortuary Service of, like... Yeah, I mean, I think it's... I mean, it's definitely a movie version of... I mean, it is, but it's also, like, it's very much, you you get the body from the coroner, you, like, open it up, you clean it, you make sure it's the right person. I mean, we never got a Jane Doe, because that's, like, a coroner thing and then you Mm -hmm. you know so we didn't have that but it was like they were very respectful of her body honestly the way that it looked like they were doing the autopsy was a lot cleaner than the county that i worked with they were like it was a hack job and these guys seemed like very (laughs) respectful and it was beautiful because they were so concerned um yeah 
And they like had this big map out and their big whiteboard where they're like, well, maybe it was this and maybe it was this. Yeah. Um, and then you, when you find out that like she's trying to make them feel what she felt, that spoke to me on such a feminist level where I'm like, mm-hmm. oh. you will feel my pain. Right. How many people, like how many, how many people with uteruses have wished to send all of the pains of that to someone who is out there trying to restrict their body. <laughs> oh my God. Every time I have a, a uterine or ovarian cramp, I'm like <laughs> looking at you people who are trying anyway. to take that choice away from others. <laughs> you could have half of one of these and you'd cry. So yeah. Yeah. I can't. Um, I also love, I love the witchcraft and and that angle of the entire story of like i just i love the history of like women <laughs> because that's such a great tor- story of like salem and and women being like that the 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 all out war they had to have against a woman to like bring her down right and then her just not giving any fucks oh my god <laughs> and it's it's amazing because you're watching the film and you're like, oh, this woman was like tied up and probably raped and abused. And you find out that like, yes, and there's the the witch plot twist floored mm-hmm. me. I was like, <laughs> I was just expecting it to be some gruesome, like you get a flashback, you see what happened to her and then you move on. But then you like see that she's the she's the power and she's yeah. like not going to rest until no the people who did this to her really feel it. <laughs> and, and I love that. And yeah. Yeah. And 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 that it's just fucking patriarchy and it's it's just men. It's just fucking men. <laughs> yeah. I mean it's it's just the like cisgendered straight men. Yes. Who is to blame for this? Men. <laughs> you just like lay waste to them. <laughs> right? I'm like I can tell you who it is. It's white people generally yeah cisgendered white people who have not like taken the time to meet someone outside of that one demographic pretty much because you meet one black person and you're like wait of course uh-huh. you should be treated equally and it ends it it yeah then you have to do your own reflection but anyway as soon as you yeah as soon as you're able to humanize people who aren't exactly like you that's kind of the first step <laughs> yeah and, and i like to think that jane doe in this film was trying to do that to yeah. to make women humanized although i i think those specific characters as men already like humanized them but yeah yeah oh is there anything that you're uh you're looking forward to seeing this year um well like i said before i'm at, i'm finishing my first year oh. semester of law school yeah. so I am ready and excited to see everything. Um, everything. Yeah. the I have a month in between semesters and I'm like, great. I'm just gonna, like, I want to watch the newest, ep- the newest season of American Horror Story. I want to watch. Oh, I was watching the um, Haunting of Bly Manor. And that was pretty good. It is. It's, it's really, really wonderful. It's beautiful. I, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm kind of, I kind of hope that he just keeps that he just keeps doing this. I don't know what properties are going to be next, but I I love I love gothic television. I love I love gothic stories being being uh 
brought into modern day and and people telling these stories because they're they're my favorite you know so i just want him to keep you know i loved the haunting of hill house i loved the haunting of bly manor i just want i want more 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 it's just such a good time oh yeah and it, it's all so beautiful yeah it's just i want all of that all the time <laughs> um but i'm i'm really gonna just consume horror media as much as i can through the holidays because the holidays are terrible so might as well yeah and now they're going to be very solitary (laughs) oh yeah it'll yes did you know so there is a tradition in in britain of uh christmas ghost stories oh i didn't know that yeah there's uh the bbc would do um kind of like hour hour to 75 minute um uh, ghost story in they would be one every christmas um there's a really really good one that came out in the 60s called whistle and i'll come for you oh um that's one of my very very favorites i actually just bought a set and i think it's coming on like it's <laughs> i have i'm i'm lucky enough to have a um region free player but i think they're going to actually be like pal discs or something like that but i'm buying like a whole set of them because i love this idea of christmas being for ghost stories oh yeah like i just think that's such a neat i mean and and as soon as i heard that i was just like well of course that sounds perfect you know i mean and that's kind of it was that tradition of ghost stories over christmas time i think that kind of beget um uh, a christmas carol yeah. So it's that same. Yeah. And so I'm I'm really excited to. I love the idea of the holidays bringing you the ghost stories and the spooky stories. I do too. It, so it was. It actually reminds me of my honorable mention, which would be Krampus. <gasps> like that movie is so good. It's so good and it's so underrated. Yeah. And oh my gosh. Yeah. I actually um. A uh, couple of years, the year it came out, my husband actually bought me one of the little Krampus spells from Weta. Oh, cute. Yeah, so always make sure we put it out. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, that's that's what, I, if I have children, I'll teach them the lore of Krampus. Yes. <laughs> put some good fear into them. So, well, with 2020 existing and you being in law school, which I don't know how you're managing that right now. I, everything that I've heard from that first year of law school is really, really amazingly hard. It's, it's not easy. <laughs> no. So I hope you take care of yourself. And I am so happy that you joined me today. Thank you so much. It was really a pleasure. All right. Thank you, everyone, for joining me. And um, don't read the Latin listeners. I will see you again in two weeks. Don't Read the Latin can be found at don'treadthelatin.com, on Twitter at drtlpodcast, on Tumblr, or at facebook.com slash don'treadthelatin. Please rate us on iTunes and tell your friends and thieves about us. We're dying to meet them. <laughs>